Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks. Welcome back to another, you know what it is, Mountain West. Uh, this one's football. That's right. Not basketball. Today's football. Me and Matt here. We're in the off season. There's um, football news to be had, right, Matt? Just a little bit here and there, but nothing. Uh, games are done. But we're going to talk about what we else talk about, which is fun, nonsense, and we got some news, right? We got some rumors mm-hmm. going around too. Yeah, there's a. It's been a steady stream of kind of player movement news, and and the movement being that uh, a lot of people are deciding to come back for one last go around. That's all. That's always good here. But I want to get to this right before recorded. I was like, hey, maybe we should give some props like Josh Allen, former Cow- Cowboy, going to the AFC title game. Do you think the Bills have a chance for the Chiefs really quick? Not that we bo- neither fall NFL super closely. If the defense plays as well as they did against Baltimore, absolutely. No kidding. I saw that. That pick six, that was wild. But I'm watching here on loop right now because I didn't watch any of the Chiefs-Browns games. Like, whatever, it's Chiefs-Browns. Rashard Higgins. Oh. The f- fumble in the back of the t- touch touchback or end zone is the stupidest role in football. He dives to make a play. The pilot cam is amazing to watch. He just loses it like literally, what, six inches from the end zone, Matt? Well, okay. Well, how different is it from like throwing an interception in the end zone? Like that's a touchback. Like how are you going to treat that any different? Uh, we can get this now. Are we, you're, you're against the rule? I. You know what? I've seen a <laughs> lot of people say how much they hate that rule. The fumble like, the fumble's like, more egregious, I think. It's just like, you know, if, if you have any kind of turnover into – in the end zone, then you have to change every single rule with that in mind. Mm. Like, like, you know, if, if, a, if, a, if a defensive back intercepts something in the end zone and then takes a knee, are you going to put them in the one yard line too? Or like, how is that going to work? You could penalize the offense and put it back to like to 10 or something. Mm. I don't, I'm just thinking on the fly here. It's just, it's I, the interception is different. The pick you make a play, but off like when you dive and stretch now and it goes out of bounds, Maybe not the one, but pushing back a few yards. I don't know. It's not. We don't have to make that decision. But just watching this on loop in front of me, it's just annoying, and it just sucks. Like I don't have. I don't really have a better decision. But so you're the you're the stance. It should be a touchback just because you lose it. Maybe that's unpopular, but I feel like you know if you change that one rule, then you'd have to change a number of rules. 
to make it equitable. So what, uh, interceptions only the really got changed, though, right? Well, I suppose, yeah. It's an NFL show, NFL rule show, folks. That's what we're talking about now. <laughs> it happens to call this is, it. This is what we've come to like two weeks into the offseason. <laughs> Breaking down Cleveland Browns. Hey, Rashard Higgins, former Rams receiver, so that's what we're saying. Uh, I I just happen to see it now, and it's just it's just I just. It's just it's just a hard thing to do when you make that move and it happens. But we have Devontae Adams moving on. We have Josh Allen moving on. Who else is moving on that we're missing? Probably a lot of people, right? Yeah. So from from uh, Buffalo, we get uh, Josh Allen, and then of course former New Mexico punter Corey Bajorquez. That's right, kicking the ball away. Uh, with uh, Devontae Adams in Green Bay, of course you have Jordan Love from That's Utah right. State. Is he even active any of these games? He's rarely active ever. He's like usually a healthy scratch every game. No, it still counts though. He's on the team. Yeah, he gets paid. It, right? Hey, if they if they win a Super Bowl, he's getting a Super Bowl ring. That's all I'm saying. True, fair. Nobody's nobody's gonna take that away from him. That's right. Uh, in Tampa, you got uh, of course Shaquille Barrett from That's Colorado right. State. Shaq Barrett, yeah. You have, and then uh, in Kansas City, you got Darwin Thompson. That's right, Darwin Thompson. One, so, of many, uh, one of the many one of the many states showing up big time. That's right. Use that recruiting, folks. Get the get the people in town. Kim Logan. Bobby Wagner. Well, I mean, you saw the, the graphic that the Mountain West put out. It was back a couple weeks ago, I think, or rather a week ago at this point, right? Was it most players in the playoffs, like it has more, as many as like two Power Five conferences combined or something like that? You might be thinking of the All Pro team. Oh, there's All Pro. Hey, why not say that as which, well, right? Which, which by <laughs> the way, I don't know if, if, it, if people didn't see that. This was like a week and a half ago at this point. Mountain West had five players on the NFL All Pro team, and the rest of the group of five had one. It's pretty good, right? That's, that's that's amazing. You just and, have it was, to and it was players from five different Mountain West teams as well. It's true. You had um, Bobby Wagner. I don't know if I have a Bobby Wagner. Was Josh Allen all pro? Was uh, yes, first, he was. Was his first Second team? Day. Okay, that's what I was thinking. So him. I don't have a tweet in front of me, so I'm not going to guess, but those are two guys for sure. Adams? But, of course. Adams, Allen. Um, I don't know who else. Um, You're going to have to dig Wagner, deeper for the last two. Bobby Wagner, right? Mm-hmm. Um, See, not Michael Gallup, no, not Richard Higgins, not C.T. Tom, not Cedric Wilson. Um, he had the one big game, though. Um, I, you got it in front of me? Alex Smith. I, oh, yeah, I got it in front of me. It's uh, Joel Petonio from Nevada. Oh, that's right. Yeah, offensive second, te- second team left guard. For and Jason Browns. Sanders, former New Mexico kicker. Oh, let's try the kicker. Okay, that's good. Hey, Craig Thompson, use this to your advantage. Come on, pump the league up. It feels like they're doing a little more in that regard recently. I don't know if you noticed or not. On social media or Craig Thompson? I, it feels like they're kind of incrementally boosting the, 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 the smack talk, you know? That's good. No, maybe, yeah, maybe, that's, maybe that's just me. No, Twitter does a good job. I want to hear from the commissioner. It's like, come on, they need to bring these things up in media day and stuff. Come on, why not? Exactly. All right, so um, what are we getting to tonight? Here's our, here's our kind of discussion we're talking about. we got players coming back. We have... The non-story, according to John David Wicker from San Diego State AD on American Talk. And we're going to have some fun with that. Plus, um, oh shoot, is there something else I'm missing? Or is that it? Danny Gonzalez? Oh, Danny Gonzalez getting trying to get poached away, but saying no. He's giving them the Heisman pose. He's like, I am not accepting your money. I am going to stay here in Albuquerque and be a starving artist, star, starving artist first-year head coach and make my dues and be good as a coach. Huh. <laughs> That's a good comparison, right? Well, that and he's bringing back a whole host of talent from last year's team as well. But so we'll who's get he bring- to that later? Who's he? Well, let's start that now. Who's he bringing back? Okay, so if you're not following him on on Twitter already, you can see the uh, the entire list there. I'll just run through it real quick. So there's uh, Emmanuel Logan Green, uh, Kyle Jarvis, tight end, 
Austin Cook, Kyle Stapley, uh, offensive lineman Ben Gonzalo, Adam Gay, Ben Davis, Joey Noble, a couple defensive linemen in there. A lot of guys. Uh, Rico Hanna, linebacker, Devin Sanders, linebacker, uh, Patrick Peake, Shadrick Lowry, Tony Collier, Corey Hightower. So these guys want to continue on their winning streak of two games. I don't see why not. And come back more. Like, this is a great thing because because there's a lot of guys, the, the way the season ended, it was a crappy season. And they, not, well, a couple of reasons. They hang out they had to hang out in Vegas all year. They have all road games. Games get postponed. They can't really have a traditional standard season. And they don't want to have that be in their last year where it's like it was more of a grind than it was to actually have fun playing college football. Mm-hmm. Because, as we said, that had to be, like, beyond difficult to do, difficulty to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, and what it does, especially in this case, is it sort of changes the calculus from what you would normally expect from, you know, at least what looked like on paper last year was kind of like a year zero situation. And and normally in those types of scenarios, you expect that it will be kind of like a slow build back toward respectability. You know, I usually look at it as being kind of like a three-year window where like, you know, by year three, you know, indefinitely by year four – you, you expect a team to kind of be back on the rise. And what I'm wondering for a team like New Mexico where, you know, it, yeah, in some respects it was kind of a year zero situation, but they showed signs of life by the end of the year. And now they're getting so many of, you know, their, their leadership in, on both sides of the ball, you know, have, getting guys like Austin Cook and Kyle Stapley back is huge for a team that, you know, not only has, you know, that kind of stable leadership coming back, but they've also tended to recruit pretty well relative to the rest of the conference over the last couple of, excuse me, recruiting classes as well. And so I I wonder whether a team like New Mexico could be on a faster track than they might have otherwise been under normal circumstances. They could be. They've won two in a row. Did you know they have the, they're, they have the longest winning streak in the Mountain West, tied with Hawaii. I did not. That's a fun fact. At two games, because with San Jose State <laughs> losing to Ball State, yeah, Boise State losing to um, in a championship game, mm-hmm. they have the current longest tied for longest winning streak too. So there's that as well to be proud of. Which it's good. It's like like getting aside. Like you're right. Though, like they finished the season strong with the two wins. They won with a true freshman walk on quarterback and their fifth string guy. It's like. So they had a conference like, hey, we can do this even not not to even this guy does on scholarship, but my point being like he was a guy that just kind of chilling to learn and was probably hoping to get playing time in like his fourth year, you know what I mean? As a mm-hmm. redshirt junior, he comes as a true freshman and they do well. They also get I'm trying to read this article here, but it's behind the paywall apparently. Albuquerque journal, they got um reporting they got a Missouri transfer coming in wide receiver. So that could be something. I think his name is um Bo- CJ Boone, I believe, but the page keeps coming up. Subscribe, From subscribe, Missouri, subscribe. Right? This is yeah, this is Bo- Boone. So, but that's a decent pickup. But like you're right, like getting them back, like all these guys, 
it's going to mean what a couple things it means. They keep experienced players back. Mm-hmm. They're not going to have to rely on. And plus, what this is too, this is actually really good for New Mexico because we saw how Bob Davey ended his tenure. He was pulling a Bill Snyder and getting JUCOs. Like he was getting very few high school players to come in. And yeah. so with this class for Danny Gonzalez, um, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm assuming we did some recruiting stuff lightly on the site and we discussed before. I'm checking right now. But I don't I believe they're not going as heavy as a as for the JUCO or you know. No. What I mean? And so having these older guys back, it'll allow them because if they have these guys back, you can only have um eighty five scholarship guys. So their class is gonna be smaller coming in. And so, but it, they don't have to rely on these younger guys to come in if these 10 to 12 guys, however many you rattle off there, mm-hmm. that they don't have to worry relying on younger guys who may not have played a ton. These guys are coming back or have played. And so that's a, kind of a double, a, not double charge, but a bonus, kind of a bonus. Not like a, it's not hard. It's, I'm trying to look at some pauses for what's happened this past year. They yeah. can bring in their young young guys right now. They're, they currently have a, a, a class of 23, and I'm seeing how many high school or JUCO guys, but they're going. They're middle of pack in the Mountain West, and looks like most scrolling through here, like from it looks like high school guys for the most part, if I believe I'm correct. Just a cursor area. Yeah, they're, really they're laying a foundation for the long term there in yeah. Albuquerque. And with these guys coming back, they don't have to rely on these guys to play. Even they can, they not that they'd play as a true freshman, but it might give them an extra year at some positions to not have to rely on them as soon as they wanted to. Yeah, and so that's kind of a good positive thing. These guys coming back, so there's that to look forward. Quarterback play, it'll be quite interesting to see who comes out to start to be that. But the biggest and most interesting news, there are some schools trying to poach Danny Gonzalez to be a freaking defensive coordinator. Uh, two, if reports are to be believed from, uh, actually, I guess it would be Danny Gonzalez himself. He said, he said he didn't name them, but, and what's what's interesting about that is a couple things. It's, they're well, first off, these Power 5 schools, I'm betting they're out west. I'm trying to think who has new coaching staff and new players out west. Um, who had new, any? What Pac-12 had new coach? Any Pac-12 get a new head coach? It could have been well, Oregon. Uh, you know, the Avalos. Oregon just lost a defensive yeah. coordinator to Boise State. It could have been could have been them. Um, trying to think of anybody else off the top of my head. Um, Cal, Stanford, no UCLA, USC. I don't want to go through them all, but I maybe Oregon makes a good good choice right there, the obvious choice. But what's interesting, they think they must think so low to Mexico in the job that he would up and leave to be a defensive coordinator. Like, that's mm-hmm. how low they think. However, then they think highly enough of him to cover his own buyout and pay him more money than he's getting. And so it's... Dude, I'm assuming, my opinion, is that him taking this, keeping this job, because it's his first head coaching gig. Mm-hmm. It's I don't care what job you're going to. It's basically a demotion, right? Like, maybe it was Texas. I don't know. I don't know his relationship with Steve Sarkeesian would have been, because that's open job as well, and he was at ASU and... Pac-12 and stuff like that, San Diego State, but like, there's no reason to take this job. It's your first head coaching gig, and you say you're giving up after one year? No way. Yeah, no, I didn't think that that was going to be the case. I'm I'm glad he said it because that's like he's like, screw you guys, I'm staying here to do something. I'm from New Mexico. I played at Albuquerque. I was a Lobo. Like, I want to do something. Like, if he leaves down the road in five years and he turns them around and goes a couple of back-to-back eight-win seasons, and some school out west wants to get him on. Whatever that happens all the time, but after year one and the way he finished the year, like we looked at how many close games they had, it wasn't like they were getting double checking my math here, but they got the two wins. The only real blowout loss they had, like the Air Force loss, wasn't good, but I was also that, like, what four turnover games, and mm-hmm. 
Like that game wasn't close. Utah State within two touchdowns. That was a very competitive first half. And San Jose, San Jose State. So they had about mix mix and match. Like Nevada was close. Um, obviously beat Wyoming. Hawaii was close. So they were not getting blown out every game, even though they were losing every game until the end of the year. They were competitive for the majority of the games outside of like two, like maybe two or eight total quarters, like the Air Force game, most of San Jose State, and part, second half of Utah State. Mm-hmm. But like him going, we're like, are you glad that he came out and said this, how committed he is to stay with the Lobos program? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good sign for the health of the Mountain West where, like, you know, he and, and Brent Brennan out at San Jose State are kind of in that same boat where I think, obviously, Brennan received more obvious overtures or rather there were more obvious connections drawn between him and, and, and in the most recent particular case, the Arizona job that ended up going to Jed Fish. But I think it's good for the Mountain West to have that kind of continuity where there are there are guys there who are – you know, building a foundation, they're, you know, setting a tone, they have a certain attitude about, you know, making those programs successful. And, and you know, even though the Mountain West is by na- its nature as a, as a group of five team is always going to be at least somewhat transient or somewhat of a stepping stone to, mm-hmm. you know, larger platforms, bigger spot- spotlights and things like that. You know, we just, you know, saw something similar. I think Zach Arnett, who is a former DC at San Diego State, you know, he's at Mississippi State now. They wanted him in LSU. He said thanks, but no thanks. And so I think mm-hmm. that's the same kind of thing. Like the Mountain West is developing coaches that are very well thought of and, and very highly covered in certain sectors of the landscape. So Danny Gonzalez, currently he makes $725,000. I mm-hmm. thought a bit, a bit higher. Oh, Jay Norvell surprisingly makes less than him, but probably not for long. He's just behind Todd Graham. Like, this is last year's, obviously, so Harson's listed here, yeah. stuff like that. Adazio's up there pretty high. I wonder what the, what they would offer it. I bet he, it had to be about a million bucks a year, right? Probably, I don't yeah. think so. But, I mean, especially for, like, a Power 5 program. Yeah, I'm trying to look at Power 5 stuff in the USA Today database. But like, like, let's put it this way. Like, in, in the, the Athletic has their own tracker of, of coordinator hires, and I believe the one example I saw that had a – a contract attached to it was South Carolina. Uh, and according to Josh Kendall, their new DC out there in Columbia, Clayton White got a three year, $900,000 contract. Hmm. There are currently as of the, going into this current last season, this is update as of December 16th, a assistant coaching da- database. You still with me? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. sorry. I had a real beep. Sorry, I'm keeping that in. It like beep like you're disconnected. Like what the heck? But there are. This is currently as of December 16th. Twenty TCU's listed higher because I guess there's a bonus or total pay, but not base salary. Twenty seven making a million bucks or more. Mm-hmm. So if you're saying at least nine hundred thousand, that's a top thirty five job. I mean, that's also SEC money too. So I mean, <laughs> that's probably at the top end. Well, no, no, but this thirty thirty five like Gonzalez might have been able to make. I mean, the thirty five jobs. Like I'd, I'd say the base for him to be offered to maybe even think about it would be nine hundred k. Like mm-hmm. he's not taking a job for, or even he mentioned they both pay more. It's every power five school above him. Like most of it is SEC money, but kind of kind of makes you wonder whether Brian Harson tried to court him out there to Auburn. Uh, maybe Auburn. Well, Kevin you know, before Derek Mason ultimately is, became the head coach from uh, from Vanderbilt. Sorry, Kevin Steele was making two point five million at Auburn. 
as a defense coordinator. That's the. I'm just that, saying it makes makes you wonder. I mean, because yeah, it does. That's one uh, one one mm-hmm. opening. Illinois, of course, hired Brett Bielema recently. Mm-hmm. Um, Arizona, you mentioned. Yeah. If you're following Stephen Godfrey on Twitter, as you should. You know, um, coaching season is not over. Oh no. Um, which I think everybody takes to be an allusion to the Tennessee job possibly opening up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe maybe somebody from Knoxville was was putting out a feeler to him on that front but yeah it was just it's just kind of interesting to think of what the possibilities might have been yeah and so and that's what i was thinking too like about 900k and also some nfl jobs are filling up like harbaugh's not going back to the nfl there's mm-hmm. been most nfl jobs have been i believe all of them at the moment have been hired from within the league of some sort either current or former coaches even like there's the rumor like Kellen Moore to jack was it jack's atlanta or something wasn't that some crazy rumor? i think it was philadelphia or philadelphia i'm like oh boy that'd be wild but it's glad it's good he's staying because you're at continuity. Because last year, it's so I'm still I'm behind an article you guys we've written up or are starting to write up. Like we graded the first year coaches. Maybe that'll be a show down the road. But it, well, half the league basically was new coaches year, mm-hmm. and this year we have it's going to be just one in Boise State. That's it. Well, two. Oh, in Utah State. Oh, well. sorry. Oh, Paul, I forgot. Apologies to Blake Anderson. There, two coaches. But yeah, compared to the year before, where you had New Mexico, UNLV. Um, San Diego, San Diego State. You had uh, Colorado State. Who else am I missing? Half the league, whatever. There's Fresno State as well. Hawaii. All these teams have new league, new teams, or teams have new coaches. But it's good he's staying because I'm just I'm. What I do like the mo- the thing I like the most out of this, I came out and said that I was offered this, and like I said, said no because I want to d- be here. I want to bring integrity and excitement, leadership, the work ethic and presence in our community to our team that we all expect. That's from the AD. And so he's, mm-hmm. he's glad, Eddie Nunes is glad. Obviously, he should be glad that Danny's going to stay. But this is a – I like they came out and said that I was off for this and told them no. Yeah, and I think the fact that so many players have, have bought in to, to give it one last go is kind of a maybe the best testament that you can have to what Gonzalez is building out there. Yeah, and it's a tough job. It's like these court teams that came in realize it's a tough job. They want to court her boy because yes, they ha- like yeah. remember because here's the biggest thing when you had um, oh shoot Rocky Long there as the head coach before he left is like this is the best I could do and it was like a eight and five season or something. Mm-hmm. I always do remember like when they played Utah like in the Mountain West back in like when Urban Meyer was there and. For every couple of years, they all, they had guys like running backs. They had all these good teams, but they were just they weren't bad. But they were always seven to ten points behind Utah, BYU, San Diego State when they were being bad. Like when teams that were when they're playing teams that were good, they were rarely like at the bottom of the bottom. When Rocky, yeah. when Rocky Long was there, they were they may have had a losing season here or there, but they were always competitive and close. He just couldn't get them over the hump, and he's like, "That's why I gotta step down. There's nothing more I can do." And he's a guy who's from freaking Albuquerque, and he go, he's go, he goes back this past year to the DC because he wants to kind of sunset his career out there in Albuquerque at a place he loves and know there's a chance, and to help his buddy Danny Gonzalez be a good head coach. So, all around, it's great. Yeah, things are looking up in Albuquerque. I would say we'll see. All right, so let's go to uh, Nevada. They have players coming back. Yeah, um, oh great! I'm looking for the link you sent me, and I'm trying to find it here. So Nevada brings is another team who I've boldly said could be a New Year's Six contender if they bring most of the talent back. And I think it's interesting because I think it was 11 seniors have said that they're going to be coming back. Um, Jane Orville put it out there. I want to say it was uh, earlier this week. 
And to me, it really comes down to the talent that's coming back at certain positions. Um, obviously, some of the big names like Elijah Cooks, who he missed basically the entire year after getting hurt in the opener. Mm-hmm. You know, we know what he can do. You know, to, back in 2019, he had eight touchdowns. He had nearly a thousand yards. You know, you put him back opposite of Romeo Dubs and fingers crossed, <laughs> Tory Horton, and, and watch out. You know, but to me, the big development is how many guys are coming back on the defensive line, and you know, Sam Hammond. Cameron Toomer, Tristan Nichols, Zach mm-hmm. Mahana. Not a lot of household names there, but as a unit, you know, obviously Dom Peterson was kind of the big name there, but you know, Sam Hammond was also right there. He was, he was an Second all team. conference selection. Yeah. You know, he had seven and a half tackles for loss. He was disruptive in the middle of that defense. Zach Mahana was a role player. Uh, Cam Toomer stepped up late in the year when they needed him to, and so to me, you know, those are kind of the big deals. And, and this is not to say that Elijah Cooks is not a big deal, but the the step forward that they took on defense and Lawson Hall at linebacker is, de- is definitely another one of those. Uh, he's coming back as well. And and then in the secondary, Burdale Robbins, maybe a little bit underrated. I think, I think when we put out our, our staff's all-conference team, he was I, – I forget exactly what he said, but I don't think he was necessarily uh. pleased with where we voted him. But, you know, he's a guy who was among the league leaders and passes defended last year. I think he also graded out as one of the best cornerbacks in the conference by pro football focus as well. So all of those names coming back on the de- defensive side of the ball – is really, really good news for a Wolfpack team where, yeah, they took one step forward you know, in 2020. But I think it's still on the table that they could take another one with all these guys coming back. No, I definitely could. Like, even if like, – I don't think Don Peters is going to return. I just don't. And Dubs, like, he's probably gone. Like, but if he comes back, that'd be amazing. But we, we're going to make through some sort of list or maybe some article of like, hey, we do kind of some weird – not weird, like preview spring type stuff. Like bring it. You're right. Defense is huge. Bringing these guys back. The offense should be fine. Carson Strong is going to be back here. He said so. They have Toa Tala. They have Cooks here. You mentioned, but if they somehow keep Dubs, they're going to be better than last year. Even losing Don Peterson, because we saw in a couple of games where he was half strength and not and wasn't able to play, where they were still not elite but still very good. Mm-hmm. And getting like like you mentioned Hall back, who had. Played what forty-seven games in his career? It's crazy. Like these guys have played a lot. Like you mentioned, Robbins, all these def- defenders coming back. Nichols, Tumor, Mahana. Like it's another year. It's another defense that was already good, and it's just going to bullshit them out. Like I'm still going to predict. Like I'm also going to send out a poll, probably do our super early 2021 picks, just because. Why not? <laughs> it's, it's end of January. Like Nevada might be my number one pick, even without knowing the status of Dubs. I mean, you, I mean, you said it last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago yeah. on the podcast, that the West is going to be stacked. Heck yeah. Why not? Yes, no quarterback play. Like, yeah, Nick Starkle, if he, he's going to come back. If Lucas Johnson, San Diego State's good, the running game gets going. Hawaii, Cordero is going to come back. Like, UNLV will probably be at the bottom, but they got to be improved. You know what I mean? Like, Fresno, Ronnie Rivers coming back. Jay Kaner, geez. Like, and they've kept they've kept bringing in guys too. Fresno State has. Yeah. They brought in uh, like two more Power Five transfers just this past week. They brought in Ty Jones from Washington. That's right. Wide receiver. Oh, he ended, wait, in, he ended up there. Ty Jones. Yes, he did. No, that is uh, excellent. He knows story about him. He went to uh, Provo High School here down the street from me, essentially. 
So he does a. I'm double checking right now, but the story's gonna sound great if I'm correct. So he, you know, these guys make their announcements on TV and stuff. Yeah. So I am pretty sure. I don't want to say it, like cause this is only a was he a sophomore or a freshman? I don't have that information. I'm double checking right now. I think um, I believe he's a guy that came to our TV station to make the announcement and chose Washington. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I think um, no, it was not him. It, it must have been somebody else. He's a fourth year guy. Uh, there, uh, that would have been funny. There's one guy. He's like, "Oh, come to town." I the only reason I remember there was a huge snow, snowstorm. I went to the airport that night to pick up my wife, but I remember they had the guy on TV got delayed, delayed. But he's like, oh, "Okay," and he picks like some out of state school. <laughs> yeah, and they also picked up, uh, I guess, a former four star running back from Utah as well. Jordan Wilmore. That's right. They've had a lot of guys leaving with the program. So, yeah, Jordan Wilmore, yeah, he did okay. Um, he, I think he started the first couple of games before Ty Jordan took over, and then, unfortunately, he his passing over Christmas break was pretty uh, pretty tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Fresno's getting guys like the West. It's This year, I'm just excited because even in the mountainside, Air Force returns a ton. They're always going to be fine. You have, um, I don't know about CSU, Utah State, or question marks, but Boise should still be fine. The Mexico should be a bit better, but it's going to be the West is going to be a team. Wyoming will be good depending on their quarterback play. Because you put seven out there too, like returning quarterbacks and head coaches. There's what four or five? Is that correct overall? I think you said. Uh, yeah. You did some tweet about it because it's what Wyoming. Um, oh, I don't remember. Well, and that that was because they were talking about what was a head coach and starting quarterback combinations. Yeah, Fresno, Hawaii, Wyoming, and that was in relation to I think it was Chris Benini's top ten group of five yeah. teams, which. Uh, We'll see how but, that works out. But of of the teams that weren't listed, San Diego State wasn't on that list. But they've got both of those guys coming back, technically, and, and Lucas Johnson slash Carson Baker slash Jordan Brookshire, uh, generous Fresno, though. Hawaii. Yeah, I think I listed like four or five Wyoming, different teams. Yeah. yeah, and speaking of Wyoming, you know they've had a couple more guys announced they were coming back for twenty twenty one as well. Uh, Trey Smith on the offensive side of things, pretty big deal, and and Garrett Kroll on the defensive side of things. And it's interesting because obviously we still, at least to my knowledge, haven't heard anything about what the people, what the, the defensive players in particular who opted out last year are there. I'm assuming their standing is intact. I, I hope so. I, I, yeah. That's, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be, but Kroll's a guy where he missed a chunk of last year, I believe with injury, but he's been productive in the past. And so, you know, obviously they aren't necessarily going to lean on him to kind of have to be the guy up front Mm -hmm. it seemed like even with the opt-outs even with him being banged up last year that they didn't miss a beat when it came to you know defending the run and getting after passers up front but you know all of a sudden that defensive line for the cowboys looks very 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 stacked in my opinion oh heck yeah definitely should be you know what i mean like and they got the defensive coach there. So the OC and an offense is an issue outside of just running Xavier and Valaday forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's he is Valaday returning as well. I forget his status. He is a junior. So they bring him and Trey Smith back. Mm-hmm. Holy crap! They both and should, I think I, and I think they're also getting Titus Swen back as well. What, why is Wyoming not doing like eighty twenty split running the ball with these guys? <laughs> I mean, they were pretty close over the last couple of years. It, it's wild. Like this, the depth they have, it's gonna be crazy. Um. Those are good. All right, so get to our, let's get to our final topic here, I guess. We'll get okay. to it now. This happens all the time. The American Mountain West, blah, 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 blah. This happens here. This happens there. So we already know Boise State was, I still say, the AD at the time before Kurt H. got kind of like uh, reassigned. Was he fundraising guy now or something? Mm-hmm. 
where it's basically a good old pat on the head to Brian Harson. Oh, we'll go talk to these conferences. They're going to West Coast, Big West. But over the weekend, or I guess the last week, not weekend, my days are confused at the moment. There's a little blurb in Pete Thamel's kind of look back at college football. The sourcing to me was felt kind of like iffy. Did you feel that way too about them saying there's talks between Boise and San Diego State? It didn't seem bit, yeah. it didn't seem overly confident that, that was going to happen or that was being on be going on right. Yes. So my thought was, it's more my thought always is well maybe they went to the Big East before but now they're not. But then again. I don't know. It just seemed odd, but we're not going to get. We're going to talk a little bit about this, but then I got. We're going to have some fun with it. So let's just go to the good, the meaty comments, Matt, about Wicker San Diego State basically calling it a non story. Mm-hmm. So he says he takes calls all the time, which I totally believe that, that it could happen. But on a scale of like one to 10, what do you think of this like actually happening in the next five years? Two. A two? For yeah. any team or San Diego State? For any team. So with that being said, I, I can't agree with you because Wicker makes a good point where he says it's a um, lateral move at best, which one thing I don't buy it as well, but I'll back up one second here. The American already said they don't want an all-sports team out west. They want football only. And so why would – and they make a good point. Why would San Diego State, why would State – sacrifice going to the Big West if they want them, which is kind of an interesting thought Wicker said, or going to the WCC, which is mostly a religious conference, religious-based schools, or, dare I say, Matt, go back to the WAC, despite the new teams. I mean, that's that's going to be a while. It, that's why I'm saying, like, it, and that's not going to happen. So, um, what, like, with what be, why, why does this come out? Is this, is this just him just messing around, or what are they doing? I honestly have no idea. I mean, I think the talk about conference realignment is sort of overblown no matter what kind of angle you're taking. And I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I think it's because we don't really know what the pandemic is going to do to budgets long term. But I think it's going to have the effect of making a lot of programs reticent to give up what they already have mm-hmm. or what they already know they're going to be bringing in. I think it's going to make them more reluctant. And, and by, by them, I mean conferences. I think it's going to make them reluctant to split the pie more ways than they absolutely have to. And also, why would at least for the foreseeable future, like five years, right? You would say because mm-hmm. what's interesting is that the John Wilner, the San Jose Mercury News, does a great job in the Pac-12. So does was John Casano and the Oregonian. Like I read the hotline like every time it comes out from Wilner because it's always great stuff. Like he mentioned, like the big Pac-12. Like I know Mountain West just under TV deal, so it's not really relevant about which is a good timing because. Look at how many basketball games just this past month. I think they've had three on over their CBS. They had mm-hmm. a couple football games. They had the Fox championship game on Fox. They had the uh, Air, the Arizona Bowl featuring the Mountain West, even though it didn't go their way on regular Fox, got bumped up because of circumstances. But he was mentioning, like, it's like a two-year process. Like, the Pac-12 New Deal, I think, start would start in 23, which means they're going to start negotiating in part of 22, which means this year in 21 they need to have a good year if they want to whatever the Pac-12 is going to try to do. Like the mm-hmm. Big Ten and Big 12 are two, a couple years down the road. So it's not like this is a intimate, or not intimate, an immediate thing because Pac-12, unless they make a crazy move, because Larry Scott wanted to do that before, that's not much is going to move there. But like, the, why would the, but you're right, why would the Big Ten or all the Big 12, these conferences that are going to, with the next couple years, make money, particularly the Pac-12, like they're in the worst spot to make a new deal. Like who's going to want to spend all this money when 
the championship game was lowest ratings in a long time. College football is mostly down. Like for people watching, I know Matt Brown did something for an extra points newsletter about the um, group of five playoff type of deal or the ratings in general. There weren't very many that were great. Even the American getting on those ABC time slots, the over there channels. So that's why a move is weird. Like you're right. Cause the, the American deal, I think goes straight like 31, 32. They didn't renegotiate the deal when UConn left, which I guess that gives teams more money, but like, how much more value would Boise and San Diego State bring besides more games? Because I think the American pays them out about, what, $7 million a year? For all sports, not just football. I believe so, yeah. And so, but you're right, like, why? Well, what is the, there's incentives for teams to make cost-effective moves or changes, but also why would ESPN in this case, because they own the American rights, why would they want to open up their pocketbooks more? Where, because it's not like ESPN is part of the Mountain West anymore. If the Mountain West was with ESPN, I could maybe see them because that'd make more sense. My logic being, you're already paying for Boise and San Diego State games on on ESPN for the Mountain West. Now they're just being shifted to a new conference. They're not really sh- forking out more money. You know what I mean? They are, mm-hmm. but they aren't because they're already airing these games anyways. This way, it'd be on bringing on two new teams that would r- require more money because there's no way. First off, the American would take these teams if the money was going to stay the same, because that's a huge drop in money for sharing the pie two more ways. And ESPN side, why would they want to open it up when they're losing money hand over fist? Like they had hundreds of jobs, either layoffs or not filled. Exactly. So let's, we get to our fun game instead, because we already know the case. So Wicker says that's probably not going to happen. Boise is not going to happen because the whack thing is like, come on, the whack's not going to happen. Right. Even them getting like same Houston State in the mix, like the basketball basketball might be okay, but it's still going to be behind. Like the Big West is a twenty third conference per Ken Palm. Like why why does San Diego State want to just derive themselves to do that? Yeah, and and Mark Ziegler of the Union Tribune pointed out that the Big West hasn't had multiple teams in the basketball tournament since what was it two thousand five? Yeah, Utah State and Pepperdine, who are no longer in the conference. Uh, Utah State and Pacific. Oh, Pacific. Actually. Sorry, Pacific. Yeah. Apologies. Um, yeah, it's just, <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, and I think a lot of people, when they think about conference realignment, they, they lose kind of like the broader perspective, which yes, football is the moneymaker, but there are certain instances and, it's, and I think San Diego state is definitely one of them and I'm not a basketball head, but they, they do well on the hard court. Yeah. <laughs> I know that much. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, they, when they think about these kinds of long-term potential moves, maybe it's that their calculus is a little bit different than Boise's. Yeah. And, <laughs> and yeah. which is kind of odd to say, because I don't really pay that much attention to college basketball, but I know the Broncos basketball is having a moment right now mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Um, They've been pretty good under land rice. Nothing amazing, but it's been their best like eight year stretch probably ever. Yeah, so it's just one of those things where, you know, San Diego State is looking at this whole situation differently, and they sort of have to, like you said, by virtue of geography, by virtue of what they do well. And, yeah, it's just, you know, the Mountain West right now is the best thing for them, and maybe that won't always be the case, but you know, but I think that more likely they're, they're going to try and find their way into the Pac-12, and, and whenever... <laughs> whenever that conference can get its act together exactly. um, and make sure that everybody's getting a healthy amount of money, then maybe they'll reconsider it. But I don't really see that happening for reasons outside of San Diego state's control. 
I think it, I think it has less to do with what San Diego State is doing right or wrong and more to just kind of larger influences that they really don't have anything to do with. Yeah, it's like their new stadium, great. It's also the thing we say you're you're lucky enough to be invited 85 years ago to why Illinois and Duke or Syracuse or these Maryland Rutgers, obviously more recent, why they're in a certain conference. Mm-hmm. But I think one, th- one here's a question somebody asked you, and we'll get to kind of the game thing we're going to do, do here. Would either do like if you're to place odds on either going independent for football in Boise and San Diego State, what would you say? I'd say good luck. <laughs> do you think that do you think that's a viable option? Like, do you think either can make five million a year going by themselves? Like, could they no. could, could they could they they couldn't could they command half a million at home game for about three million bucks? I doubt it. Doubt it. What's it's about what they're getting out of the Mountain West. You don't think they can make the same amount of money? I mean, maybe, but yeah, if if assuming they have a similar kind of deal to what BYU has right now, where BYU plays on average what three Mountain West teams a year? Um, at the moment, yeah, they got yeah, but it, it'd be a thing where they want to play the, those teams as well after leaving the conference. You know, you think about that, you think about a situation, and I think that it, it's not totally analogous, but I think about a team like New Mexico State, for instance. Mm-hmm which is really the only other independent team in the West, and they play three Mountain West teams a year. But beyond that, you know, there's only so many Pac-12 teams to go around. And, and typically it, September games, too, only. Yeah, and the Pac-12 only plays three non-conference opponents, so those opportunities are relatively limited. And then all of a sudden, you're having to look further east to, like, you know, you're scheduling you know, UMass more often, you're scheduling UConn a little Ugh, more often, or, or Army. Um so, I mean, I get, I, it just seems like it would be a slight step down in the quality of opponent overall. Yeah, I can see so that. I, so, I don't know that it makes sense. Also, at, least we're not, at least not right now. Yeah, because, like, they get some more buy games. Like, maybe Boise, I think Boise would be slightly better off because they're getting home and, home, home and homes like Michigan State. Um, teams like that are coming to town. But, or Florida State, too, if that return game ever happens. But you'll be have more buy games. Your schedule could be severely imbalanced. Like, yeah, let's say you get one Pac-12 team in September. You're going to play New Mexico State. BYU possibly could be in the mix because they both played each other. That's okay. Then you write UConn, UMass. But then they might have to play freaking Idaho or Idaho State, some FCS school in the, in the first, last week of November. Like, do you want your – like, tr- trust me if you don't want this because if you're like me following BYU and covering them, like their home schedule in November, they hate it. They typically have been getting teams like really bad teams. The it's got it was supposed to be better this year, but like typically they get an FCS school at home. They'll get some maybe a okay Mountain West school, which is fine, but not ideal. But UMass or UConn or something like that, like some independent where it's it's like this is ridiculous. You get one home, you get like two home games, and it's like an FCS school and in New Mexico State. It's like who wants that? You know what I mean? You see your mm-hmm. butts in Boise, Idaho, Albertson Stadium. You think you can't get fans when like San Jose State or New Mexico comes to town? Do you get fans when you have to play Idaho State? Come on. There you go. All right. So here's the thing: two things people ask: Should the Mountain West American create a super conference? Would that That's be? Ne- speaking of things that'll never ever happen. <laughs> My other option is never going to happen. This might be a short segment here if we're talking about. Um, but do you think like maybe would it be better off here? This is what somebody mentions. Um, how about a schedule agreement of some sort instead, like a challenge every year? I mean, I'd be all for it. But th- th- I assume you, you would think that would be more likely than a full-on merger 
Whereas either be your well, there's a couple ways you could look at this. One way, you just merge and you play teams and you have a championship game. Where you actually play, you have twelve Mountain West, eleven American. You play maybe four Mountain West teams as we are right now, four American teams, and it'd be hard to consider or make a championship game out of that. You could do that, which seems least likely. You could have a quasi playoff where the champions play each other, or schedule an agreement. Mm-hmm. What do you think would be the best option for either league? I mean, I think if you did a one-off once a year, I don't see why why that wouldn't work for a lot of teams. Only one game, not more than one. I mean, let's put it this way: would you would you rather if you were a Mountain West team, would you rather have an FCS opponent, or would you have rather have an opponent from the American? What team are you though? Are you UNLV or are you San Diego State? That matters. I don't too. think. I don't think it matters. You don't think so? Like, 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 think about it like this. Like, because we're we're thinking about San Diego State, right? We're talking about San Diego State a minute ago. So let's say like they were able to implement this the next time they have a non-conference opening, which is like I don't know, twenty twenty-five. No kidding. <laughs> uh, so right now their non-conference schedule that year is Stony Brook, Washington State, and California. I think if you were to add an American team on there, assuming that. You know, assuming that this format would be such that the the presumed quality of the team would be somewhat equal to whatever San Diego State is like at that point. Could they flex, it's, do a flex where you play third week of November and you play each other where it's a to-be-determined game, but at that point you have like first place, first place, second, second, all the way down? Like think of it that I mean, I think, you know, you have to think of it in terms of like what possible alternatives there could be. Mm-hmm. Like it could be that the Aztecs could go out and schedule BYU if the Cougars still looking for opponents at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, they could go out and schedule New Mexico State, like we mentioned a minute ago, because they're, they're set to play the Aggies two more times over the next three seasons, things like that. But I think for a lot of teams, you know, if they were able to get like, you know, one FCS team two power five teams and a team from the American for their non-conference schedule. I think a lot of teams would find that to be a, a decent, a, a satisfactory non-conference schedule. So look at right now, 2024, I'm saying state, Washington state. This is basically your setup. You're talking about Washington state at home. They go to Cal Portland state and then going to central Michigan, who central Michigan is typically pretty good in the Mac. They're usually like what top two, top three in their division. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about schedules similar to that. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the the inflection is really kind of like Central Michigan. It's like you you have your your FCS team somewhere on the West Coast. You have your one or two Pac-12 teams, maybe a Big 12 team or a Big 10 team every so often, and then you you know that last spot would just go to like an American team. Would that as be to like? As opposed to like an independent Yukon or New Mexico State or things like that, I, would I that, that would that suck for like the independent Aggies? Yeah, but mm, don't be independent. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think it would. I think it would give the Mountain West an additional option in the event that like you know maybe they can't schedule that second Power Five game, and then if they need to, you know, if if a team like let's say Fresno State for example, because they're also set to play New Mexico, I think one or two more times in the years to come. Like if they have like one power five team, they host an, an AAC team, they host New Mexico State and they travel to another power five team. I think a lot of, you know, depending on the AAC team, I think that a lot of Bulldogs fans would go for something like that. I might be wrong, but I don't think I am. 
No, I like the schedule. That's a good scheduling setup. Like, I'm looking at UNLV really quick. Like, in, in 2023, it's at Michigan, Vanderbilt, at BYU, at UTEP. Mm-hmm. Or the next year, next, this upcoming year. East Washington, at ASU, host Iowa State, at UTSA. Like, I do like that idea where it'd be agreement. I think, I I like the idea a lot. I think one idea that I mentioned would be pretty good. Like, the flexing would be quite interesting. Because they try that with basketball a little bit. Like, the Missouri Valley Challenge was a complete joke and a waste. The mm-hmm. 810 Challenge is going to get pushed back. But, like, how, like, they, like, there's some talk this year. Like, so we, and we know flex scheduling can work. That's not, like, something, it's out of the norm. It's, like, crazy because you saw BYU Coastal Carolina set up a game, like, in two days' notice. We've seen games get played within a week or, re- or scheduled in two weeks. Like, like I would like that like, idea. Let's put it, let's put it like this. Like, if Fresno State and SMU scheduled a home and home for 2025 and 2026 who would be mad about that right now nobody they're both slightly above middle middle pack above average in each conference like if the mustangs came to the valley in 2025 and then the bulldogs went to dallas in 2026 that'd be nice yeah i mean i think that you know the latter end would be a very demanding schedule because they already have have road trips scheduled for usc and washington state yeah, but that's always. I mean, for you know, Fresno State, they coined the term "anyone, anytime, anywhere." Exactly. Like this is what they do. So I don't think they're going to be shying away from a challenge like that. If teams from the American were amenable to setting something like that up, but I mean, I think you're right. If if there was some flexibility that could be built into something like that, then I think it would benefit everybody, especially if there's like an opportunity for a team at or near the top of the conference to, you know, bolster their standing for a run at a New York six bowl game, things like that. I think, you know, having something that like that built in is going to be useful in the long run, but for a lot of teams that already have, you know, non-conference schedules filled out for the next several seasons, Fresno state's one of them. They've already got four opponents for the next four years. Yeah. That's kind of a non-starter, at least for the immediate future. But if you're thinking about, you know, in, in the, by the middle of the decade, where a lot of these teams still have openings in their non-conference schedule, then you can start kind of thinking ahead and determining, you know, how this might work so that everybody can benefit from it. Yeah, but you're, come on, you can move Eastern Washington, you can move Sac State, you can move those teams around. I mean, you could, yeah, or New Mexico State, really. But I, you know, I here's what I do. I think it'd be really great. Like the flex thing would be fun. Here's a bit because they kind of briefly mentioned this year about the playoff, like. We're not we're not gonna get ourselves a playoff. We'll be getting close. Maybe Cincy does something crazy this year. It's because I don't know how they play, but they just kind of build off on this past year. But what what they could do, like I like the third week, not Thanksgiving week. Maybe it's Thanksgiving weekend. Maybe the week before. But you go through the schedule and you have okay. Let's just like look at this past year. When you look at the rankings, you had was was San Jose State ranked when Cincy was ranked late in the year. In the playoff pool, I believe, at some point. Uh, San, Diego, San Jose State entered, I believe it was the last or the next to last. So let's say a typical year, because this past year wasn't typical for a million reasons. But like in the college football playoff, like when you look at week, like what, mid, third week of November or something, or second week <clears> of November, there typically there's a Mountain West team. Like I'm looking back in week 13, 2019. You had the teams that mixed up Memphis 18, Boise 20, Cincy 19. Like you're telling me like, if those two are playing, like say you take you match up one versus one or something, and you play Thanksgiving weekend, and you still have that game, you have your next week conference game, and then the championship weekend. That game, if you're high enough, like it would probably it would do a couple things. Let's say they're ranked even higher, it would give you a great a chance for for a win. 
And if you're somehow even close to the playoff, you're up even higher because you get a good quality win. It's going to be guaranteed, almost guaranteed a ranked team when you're playing one versus one and two versus two, and, or at least one v one. But if you lose, let's just say you lose that game, you're not technically out of a near six spot because all you got to do is win your conference. It doesn't necessarily hurt your ranking, obviously, but it doesn't hurt your position to win their conference, which is most teams' goals anyways. And so even if like there's still a chance for you to come back and get back in the ranking to move ahead of that team to beat in America if they don't win their conference. Mm-hmm. So that's a possibility where it's not just a great football, it's not to get exposure out there, but there's a chance to, yes, you don't, you say you lose that game, you're not, you're, you're possibly out with only two or three games left, but you're not officially out of it because you could still come back in because you lost to a ranked team. Even though we know how the group of five is ranked, they probably get punished and kicked to oblivion out of the others receiving votes. If you are, say, 18 and lose, it's like if you, if you play, if it's 12 versus 18, 18 loses to 12, 18 is getting crushed out of the rankings almost no matter what. But all you got to do is win your conference. And so that, I think, is a couple reasons why. Why not go that route? Wouldn't that be more exciting? Like, it's a week's notice. You you, you know you're at home or on the road because you rotate who's going where. But, like, wouldn't that – that would be pretty exciting to know after this week you have a new game, a new opponent, you still have a week to prepare. The only other logistical thing you'd have to keep, consider is the fact that Mountain West has 12 teams and I the know. American right now has, only has 11. Yeah, I hear you. But Air Force already plays Navy every, every year, so I don't know. That is a problem. But um, sorry, if you're 12th in Mountain West, you don't get to play. You you find somebody else. I don't know. That is a problem. Well, so, so that brings up an interesting question. Do you make the like the bottom team the odd man out, or do you protect the team at the top? No, I'd rather have the best team play because that gives you the better chance to move up higher. Something you're, to think about, though. You're telling me if Boise State fans had a chance to play Cincinnati this year, they would rather not play them for a better chance to get to near six game? You'd have to ask them. I don't know. They, 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 for, they, the, for those of you who are listening to this, feel <laughs> free to add us at MWC Wire on Twitter and let us know what your thoughts on that word would be. It is a concept because they're also pissed they thought San Jose State duck or Boise is ducking people too, remember? You, you'd also have to incentivize the American to set something like this up because, of course, the Mountain West has had the Americans up for hand over the last <laughs> few years. What are they, 14 and 10? Somebody pointed out to us on Twitter. Uh, since since uh, let's see, twenty thirteen, yeah, fourteen and ten. I think I put that out there. Yeah, back in uh, late December, I believe. So who needs this more, the Mountain West or American? If this would be a thing, that's a good question. I think, that, honestly, I think the Mountain West needs it more because Americans had the higher ranked team and made more New Year Six bowl games in the Mountain West. I'm just gonna say nobody's gonna want to face Hawaii in that regard because they're they're two and zero against the American. <laughs> Imagine them, them, them and Boise State are the are the are both two and zero against the American. What's the, San Diego State one and one? San Diego State is uh, two and one. Yeah, they beat San Diego State or they beat Hawaii or not wrong team. Sorry, Houston in Vegas. They beat Cincy and Hawaii boat race Houston, Cincinnati. Yeah, uh, I mean the other one precedes the American though back in 2007. Fine, it doesn't count. Just saying, doesn't that count? That, that's right. <laughs> Do I mean, I'm, I'm, go, I'm going by like 2013 or 2014. That's fine. Uh, I would just, I just want to see UCF have or Hawaii have to travel to either Orlando or Honolulu for the one game. <laughs> that would be hilarious. I don't know. Like, I think that would be fun. Like, but if, then again, they've been they, they've been to Australia. Going to Orlando is nothing. It's nothing. Yeah, it's like that's please. It's 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 child's play. I, I would say the Mount. Do you, so who do you, so answer my question? Who needs it more than do? You, who do you think? I think the Mountain West would. I would too, yeah, because the rankings and 
top ten teams and them being American being ranked higher. So let me go to my. I think five. it's just. I think it's just that they're losing the perception battle right now. It all people. It all goes back to people freaking out about Craig Thompson, who's not doing his job to promote the league. Because I mean, it's it's one thing for like for us and for players and for coaches to point to like and say scoreboard. You know, we're beating them more often than they're beating us. Facts. But yeah, I, mean, I guess it, you know when it matters most, you know they 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 have an agenda that they are pushing more successfully. And the Mountain West fact- has no agenda. That's the problem. Exactly. That's the big thing. All right, let me go. Can I go to my last fun topic? Did you see the releg- the relegation comment we had on Twitter? I did not. So, if you're not familiar with European soccer, basically any non-American North American sports, if you're really good, you go to the highest league. If you if you're not really good, you move down. Just mm-hmm. some, somebody made a comment. Why not? You like uh, it's almost it's almost like a super league. Where you have every I don't know how you, I don't know how you'd set this up, but my thinking would be in one year you'd have to maybe combine the conferences where you still have the American Mountain West or tier one or tier two or something, but basically for those who don't know what it'd be, you would there would be twenty three teams. So you'd put twelve in the top, eleven in the bottom. Maybe you do one year I don't know, would you use like advanced numbers like S P plus or Kali Matrix or something, like for one year to do it? Where I guess that would that be fair? First off, do you think that'd be kind of fair to do it or no? I suppose. I guess it would depend on how how many teams were in each division. Because I think one thing you could pods easily do pod. <laughs> to say that you know me so well, I do. But it also makes sense. Like you do. I think it would be it'd be a well thing to do. It would be. But I think how it could be done. Like this would be fascinating because I would love this in college football because it would. Makes sense. And what you could do to incentivize it, because part of this, well, if you're in this higher, bigger conference, like let's say you're like the Big Ten or Pet Big 12, you drop down to league, you lose like millions upon millions of dollars. You can make it where you pool the money together, where there is a benefit to being in tier one, but it's not detrimental to your athletic program because you know how football funds all the other sports too, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so you can make it where if you're in the top tier, and it's not like a big difference, like the Mountain West Americans, like whatever. Like the difference in pay is not much, but if you're just to say, I don't, I wish I'd, I should have looked up the difference in pay. I think it's about two million pay difference, but let's just say you get a million and a half more for being in tier one to tier two. That's not going to be, it's not going to crush your your program. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you're still making decent money, and then what you do, the way it's set up everywhere else is where if you win the bottom tier, not even win, but what they do, it's like the NBA playoffs. That this past year, it's the closest thing we had. Like if you're the seven seed plays somebody plays ten, eight plays nine to kind of get that playoff bid or something like yeah. that. So what you could do is take the. I think this is like how EPL does it or Champions League and every all the other leagues where you take the bottom two teams in tier one, the top two in tier two. They because I don't know how bowls work, but who cares? You'd play that game at some point where you'd put like the. So I guess you'd put team eleven in tier one versus the second team in tier two. Or whatever you play, this teams to play each other essentially, and the winners get in, and then you only swap two spots at a time. Maybe in football you do three because it's a guys only play a couple of years, but that's how it work. Where if you basically finish top two or three, you move you move up, and oh no, I'm I'm mistaken. See Matt, see I don't follow European soccer as much as I should, but does anybody here? I don't. Do you? Do you? Do you wake up at five a.m. to watch EP on NBC? <laughs> I, I dabble. I'm, I need to re, re, re see. Here's the thing by me not doing this. What actually needs to be done is 
the top two or three teams move up, but then the bottom couple in the top tier play each other to stay. That's yeah. what it is. So my mistake. So if we do four at a time, that would be fun. Like you move four up, or two up. Sorry, let me let me let me go my facts right here. You move two up from the bottom. This, this I, I hate it. Complex. This is terrible. I, this is why it never happened to American sports. I didn't write down my thoughts, but I got I got it here now. So if you guys are with me at a fifty-seven minute mark. I'm going to get my facts straight because this is hilariously for people. You know, Matt, people are yelling at me. This is, this is not hard to do. This is super can we, can easy. Can we disagree? Anybody who goes winless gets banished to the whack for five years? Yes. Yes. But here's the call. It's like the phantom zone. The phantom zone. You joined New Mexico State in Area 51, right? Yeah, exactly. But basically what it is. Okay. Honestly, here's what it is. I, it took me a second to think about it. If, you, if you're top two in the bottom league, you move up. The bottom four in the top tier play each other and the winners stay. So you rotate two at a time. That's what somebody mentioned for relegation. Like, would that would that excite you if you're t- if you're UNLV and you had to fight to take on whoever at the top of the American is or whoever it may be? Yeah, I don't see why not. I think that would be interesting. It won't never happen. Like a Super League plus my as my expert explanation skills failed me here. <laughs> that's not nobody's gonna get it. But somebody mentioned that. But like, if we honestly had that, that would actually make it f- more fun. And if the money's not that much different, million or two million here would be great. But I didn't naturally, mean, it'll never happen. It'll never happen because it's a fun. But idea, maybe right? some, maybe someday when they have the new NCAA football game, fingers crossed. Yeah, can we hack that? They make, can. They can have that mode in there. And we who, can make our wildest fantasies come true. That would be fun because honestly, that would honestly, it's like I'd always play like a lower team like Northern Illinois with uh, Michael Turner. Years ago, mm-hmm. but it was running back number twenty-two or something. I take NIU and do quite well. Move them to the Big Twelve or something or Big Ten, move them up there. But these are just pine sky fun ideas. But like, who wouldn't want to have that? Like, if you're a team that's at the bottom, it's like, oh crap, we're two and ten, but we get to play this other team. Plus, I don't know if it'd be competition disparity, but it'd take a couple of cycles to figure it out to make it more even competitive. But that's an idea somebody brought up, and my poor research skills made it sound like. A garbage disposal going off for your ears, but it probably did. Yeah. But who cares? We talked about it. We have some fun here. But at the end of the day, you're. I think you're correct. Within five years, is the conference going to be the same? Probably so, right? Probably. So, probably. Because <laughs> we can never say yes or no on this. Uh, I, I think we're up here because I am done because I need to write notes better when I'm doing some stuff. But I like what John David Wickard's statements was. Basically, it's a non-story. Because mm. it all comes back to the one line in the article. It's like, oh, they're talking. Well, what does talking mean? It's like we mentioned weeks ago or years ago when we talk about coaching search or coaching stuff. Coach X at school A, I never talked to this school. Side note, my agent talked to them for me. Stuff mm-hmm. like that would happen. But that's it for today. We'll come back next week and we need some more ideas because it's the off season. You mentioned the Hula Bowl coming up. Is that actually a game or just kind of a – you're invited like the senior bowl is as, as he's no, on I mean, air quotes. I think they're actually see. doing it if I'm not mistaken. All right. So we'll get to the hula bowl stuff. next. They, week. they say it's going to be on uh, January 31st and they say, I think it's supposed to be on CBS sports. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. And so have there been, okay, I'm going to put it in spot here. Have there been mountainous players invited yet? Uh, yes. I, I, I know that there has been at least two or three, but I have to go back and I have to double check rosters. All right. I have one roster here. I'll mention one player. Parker Ferguson Air Force. That's the first name. That comes there, you, up. there you go. So we'll talk about that going forward. Some NFL draft stuff, and I'll be more, more, more coherent once we get past that forty-minute mark. Okay, Matt. There you go. <laughs> All right, check us out mwr.com. 
Um, but go leave a review and subscribe and tell Jeremy to write notes better because that's what I need to do on some of this stuff. But we're having fun. It's all good. And we'll see you uh, about a week, right? Is that our plan? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll see you next time. About a week. See ya.